Ready for this? Side hustle. Let's do it. So if you're a freelance or you got a day job, side hustle. You can make some mad dollars on the side. Side hustle. All you gotta do is brainstorm ideas. Side hustle. But you gotta choose, you gotta decide. Side hustle. To start your thing, done is better than perfect. Uh -huh. Side uh -huh. hustle. Inspire others, build a brand and profit. Yo. What's up everyone? My name is Sagi. I'm a designer and entrepreneur and I will never be Eminem. So my guest this week is a podcaster and blogger and founder of Side Hustle Nation, where he teaches others to create successful side hustles and earn money outside of their day job. In this conversation, we talk about creating content on your blog or on your podcast and getting your content out there. We also talk about methods to get more exposure on your content after you write it, because it's very important as well. We also talk about finding time, having a vision for growth, revenue streams. By the way, we talk about some revenue streams that I bet none of you ever thought of and uh, a lot of more amazing topics. So this has been an amazing conversation for me. Ladies and gents, without further ado, it's my pleasure to present to you Nick Loper, founder of Side Hustle Nation. Let's get mine for a move. Let's, let's. Yo, yo, what's up, creative entrepreneurs? Sagi here, and welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless podcast. The podcast where we'll talk about online businesses, personal branding, marketing, storytelling, blogging, high achievement, mindfulness, relationships, productivity, and so much more. Everything we need in order to build a life of impact, in order to build a full stack life. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another podcast recording of the Mindful Muscles podcast. My name is Sagi, and today I have Nick Loper on the show with me. Nick, what's up, man? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Nick, I'm, I'm very happy to have you on, man. Like, to anybody who doesn't know, Nick and I met in FinCon, which was a mind-blowing conference. Really, really good conference, which, uh, Nick, you were like a couple of years already, like you're a veteran there, right? Yeah, this is like probably my favorite event of the year. That was year four for me. It's made such an impact on on the business and the and the network, and I definitely owe a lot to that community. Yeah, it's an it's an amazing community. And by the way, you were elected this year for a podcast of the year or something like that, right? It was like <laughs> the category was like made for me, so I felt a little bit bad winning it. <laughs> but it was like best entrepreneurship or or side hustle, like blog or podcast. I was like, well, come on, I can't not win that. I was always very grateful to walk away with some hardware, get some recognition for, uh, for the work. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And it, it seemed like people really appreciated you there in the conference and uh, kind of like everybody coming up and talking to you. And like, I, I got to kind of like hear about you from a couple of people at the conference. And did you talk to Nick? And like, yeah, yeah okay. So apparently, you know, Nick, Nick is a thing in the conference. So it's great. Like it's, you're in a mix of things there. And um, to anybody who doesn't know, Nick is the founder of Side Hustle Nation and the Side Hustle Show, which is an amazing podcast about creating side projects and, and side hustles and actually doing it, of course, in a successful manner, monetizing and, and all that. And just in general, bringing more income to the, to the household. So Nick is also a father and a family man and like you see, working from home, like me. And you also have the story of when you left your day job. You know, it kind of like connects and, and I, I feel like I'm, I can relate to you in a lot of ways because I have similar stories. But could you fill in that gap and kind of like tell your story in a short way of how you got to doing what you're doing right now full time? The short, the short version of the story. Sure. So graduated school, had a little bit of an entrepreneurial background, was starting to dabble in online marketing, affiliate marketing at that time, dabbled in real estate, dabbled in kind of some blue collar stuff with some house painting during college, but wasn't 
ready to be a full-time entrepreneur. Like that was always in my head. Like I want to be my own boss. I want to do my own thing. Didn't know what that thing was going to be upon graduation. So got a real job, moved across the country from Washington state to Washington DC area and was selling Ford parts for the kind of at the bottom rung of this big uh, car company. Yeah. But during that time was starting to build uh, my first real side hustle, which was a footwear comparison shopping site. So it would pull in the catalogs from Zappos and Amazon and you know all these other uh, footwear retailers and tell you where you could get the best price on your next pair of shoes. And when somebody ordered through the site, it would earn a commission or a finder's fee on, uh, on those orders. And so that was the vehicle that ultimately let me quit that corporate job after three years of nights and weekends of hustle to kind of build it up. While I was running that was when I started a dozen other side projects. Most of those died a quiet death in, in the corner of the internet, but a couple of them are still around today. And one of them just started as just a little side project blog and like, oh, people said you ought to have a podcast. So I started the podcast to go with it. And that was uh, the side hustle show. So that was 2013 and kind of taken on a, a life of its own since then. So it's been a really rewarding project. And within a, a year, year and a half, it was the main, uh, the main focus for me. By that time, like 2013, so you still haven't had your first child, right? You, you were just like you were before. And can, can I ask you, like, when you started working on it, how did you grow it? And how did you go about like creating a plan to, to grow the blog and before it even became the podcast? Well, that was the surprising thing is that it started the rebranded blog. I'd been blogging on a personal domain for a long time that nobody ever read. So rebranded the blog to say, okay, I'm going to talk specifically about side hustles, lower risk, part-time entrepreneurship, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And started the podcast at the same time. Within the first year, the podcast had taken off you know, significantly faster. Like it had you know, struck a chord with people. And on top of that, I think it was a more valuable connection. You know, if somebody's going to spend 30, 40 minutes with you in their earbuds, that's, you know, a more valuable relationship than somebody spending, you know, three minutes kind of skimming the, the, you know, the H2s on your blog post and looking for the, you know, picture captions and stuff. I wish I knew now to start the show, but it's like, you kind of, you almost have to put in those first 50 episodes of trial and error to kind of find your voice and get comfortable behind the mic. But I had an email list of 11 people when I started and it was like entirely friends and family. <laughs> so what I did to launch the show was like going in, going through Gmail and just hitting a, like going through the alphabet basically to see what Gmail would like suggest for, yeah. uh, for email addresses. Like a, Oh, I haven't, I haven't emailed Aaron in a while. Like, Hey Aaron, what's <laughs> up? And then when they reply back and be like, not that much, what are you up to? Well, actually, I just launched this uh, podcast. You know, you ever heard of a podcast? Here's how you can download it. You don't even have to listen to it. Every download helps me in iTunes or whatever. And that was kind of the initial traction for, uh, for the show. What you did is something that like now you probably strategize and, and you can suggest other people do it as well, right? It's like something that just go to your first initial circle of people that know you and probably their friends and family. Those people will might not be so relevant to what you're talking about in your content, but they are the they're your biggest fans, and they'll spread the message across to other people. Right. A lot of people will say, "Well, I don't have an audience," but the average person has 236 Facebook friends, whatever the you know whatever the uh, the number is. It's like those are 236 people who at least 
care something about, you know, what you're up to. They may not, like you said, they may not be your audience, but they might know somebody who is, so they can pass that along if you let them know what you're doing. It's just kind of a silly thing. Like, I'm so embarrassed by those first few episodes. And those are the ones like I'm asking, you know, the people who know me to go and listen to. It's like uh, kind of cringe thinking back uh, about that now. But it's it's consistent. We found that in iTunes, in Amazon, in Udemy, in Fiverr, in Upwork, in any of these platforms. Like if you can give the algorithm that first little nudge to give it some some social proof, some momentum in terms of downloads, orders, reviews, sales, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. like the then the computers, then the bots, then the algorithms kind of start to work in your favor. We've right. seen it over and over again. So that's, I think, what started to happen, started to get you know, ranking for certain keyword searches in iTunes. That was um, a John Lee Dumas presentation I was sitting in several years ago. He's like, if you Google entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, like I'm on page 17. But if you search that in iTunes, I'm like number two. And so I was like, oh, you know, that's interesting. So I tried to keep, keep that in mind, kind of tapping into these micro search engines or these smaller search engines. How many episodes do you have right now on your podcast? 312. Awesome. And how many, if I may ask, like how many like downloads and stuff like that how the, in terms of statistics? So new shows are kind of seeing between 25 and 35,000 downloads in the first month or two lifetime. I think we're close to 7,000 or 7 million lifetime. That's amazing. That's a really good number, man. Yeah. But it's like every week for, for five years. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's consistency. So you look, at the, you look at the numbers from the beginning of the show and you're like, why? Why would you keep going? But, you know, it was exciting yeah. for me. I, you know, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed making the connections and really learning from the guests. In yeah. a way, doing the show is selfish because it's like you can call up these people who might charge $500 an hour, $1,000 an hour for their time and be like, oh, I've got a podcast, you know, and you almost <laughs> are getting free consulting out of it and I've implemented a lot of advice from, from the guests over the years. So um, there's, there's part of it. And then, you know, if you can turn around and broadcast that out to other people, they're more willing to, <laughs> to say yes to you. Yeah. So what, what is some of that advice? Maybe you can give me now with this podcast, which is my third podcast, but it's a new, completely new podcast. And also for the entrepreneurship community, which is a new community. Yeah. I mean, just a couple examples. One of the very early episodes was this guy who had earned enough money as a Fiverr seller to buy a house with just with the cash money that he made from Fiverr. I was like, I'd used Fiverr at that time as a buyer before, but never thought of using it as a seller. Like, what could you possibly sell for $5 that would you know net you that kind of money? And he was like, Nick, Nick, Nick. It's all about the upsells, man. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, okay, how does it work? And so he was, you know, he explained, look, your $5 gig has got to be something that you know, you can deliver in two seconds, like it's a pre-recorded video, audio file, PDF, whatever it is. And then if somebody wants your time, your custom expertise, like they can buy that in the gig extras. And he had, you know, this whole system that he had built out. I was like, okay, this is really fascinating. So I ended up playing around with, with Fiverr. That's turned into kind of a nice little extra income stream over the last several years. Another example was from a fellow FinCon attendee was uh, Rosemary Groner. She sat me down and did this full Pinterest tutorial. She's like, you're a blogger. You're not on Pinterest. I was like, I, I'm sorry. I don't know anything about Pinterest. And she was like, well, let me show you the ways. And it was just like, you do this, do this, do this. Within a couple months of doing that, it was like, holy crap, like I'm getting several hundred visits a day from this platform where previously it was getting zero. So, you know, there's tons of stories like that. So what are you doing on Fiverr, if I'm asked? So I started out similar to 
what this guest recommended was selling digital products. Like here's a couple books that I had written. So I um, had them on, on Amazon, on KDP Select, which is Amazon's like exclusivity program. So let that expire or like unselected the, you know, auto renewal for, for the next three month term and threw it up on Fiverr. And so it started ranking for certain keyword searches on there as well. And then in the upsells was like, okay, I'll do this type of consultancy with you or whatever. After that, the gig that kind of was the most fun was was not that like digital product delivery. It was, I'll turn on the screen recorder and give you a five minute live video assessment of your website for, you know, design, usability, conversion rates, SEO, whatever just comes to mind. That one was a ton of fun. That one, they actually ended up featuring on their homepage. So I woke up one morning to like an inbox, like like filled with Fiverr orders. Like what happened? And sure enough, like I opened up the homepage and there's my mug being like, Oh, review your website. How much food did you take for those? It was you know, five, $5 for the initial five minute thing. And then it was like, if you want you need to dive into more specifics on SEO, you can do that. If you want me to, you know, come up with some marketing suggestions, you can do that in the, in the upsells. Huh. And so I ended up doing almost a thousand dollars worth of those over the course of like this crazy week and a half where it was, where it was featured. Got it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I was the first on-site designer at Fiverr. So that's right. You're one of the, uh, one of the originals. Yeah. So I was like inside watching this thing grow. And like, it's, it's funny always seeing how people actually like use this platform. Like up until this day, by the way, I use it as a buyer. And back then I used it as a seller, as a designer. It's easy. You just yeah. design stuff. But so Pinterest is one of the things that also in fin kind of the first time I heard like about Pinterest as the thing for blogs. Like it's the first time I actually heard about it from RJ and, and Ben Jeff. I don't know if you know them from uh, Sprout Social and the ways to wealth.com. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they're like, yeah, and we use Pinterest and it's one of, my, one of our sources for growth. I'm like, what? How do you use Pinterest for a financial blog? How do you do that? Well, so what used to work really well was uh, even if you had no following on the platform, which I started with like less than 100 followers, who's joining these group boards that might have thousands of followers and then you could pin your content to these group boards and get them seen by way more people. Today, Pinterest works more like a search engine where people are searching in, you know, ideas to make extra money or work from home jobs or, you know, get out of debt idea, you know, different keywords, like similar to Google, like it's become a search engine for content. And if you have a keyword optimized title description pin image, and some social proof behind it, like people have repinned it, you can start to rank well in Pinterest search. Yeah. It's actually right after this interviewing Kate All from Simple Pin Media to try and figure out how to um, reinvigorate the account for, for 2019 to hopefully drive some more traffic. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like Pinterest is definitely something that I'm, you know, considering now, like kind of going into. I just have the process built for my podcast and, and now YouTube is starting off and then like, um, you know, Pinterest is a, is a source of traffic. Then I'm like, you know, I should maybe get on there as well. But there's so many ways of, of getting traffic onto your new blog if you're just starting the site hustle, right? Like if you're just starting out your blog, then you can, first of all, write, what, what would you suggest people post their stuff after they write their first blog post? Pinterest would be probably one that can help you get exposure faster. Quora would be one where you could potentially get exposure faster, start answering questions based on um, 
the questions that are happening in, in your niche. Also a great source of content ideas. Like, wait, what, que- what questions do real people have? And then because Google SEO could take several months to, to rank something or if they ever pick it up, right. YouTube is kind of a new area of, of interest of mine because their algorithm seems to update instantly. Like if you have a, a keyword optimized video on a certain topic, you can find yourself on the first page of search results for that query you know, in five minutes versus potentially never for, for Google if it's too competitive. So that's, we got an episode coming up about YouTube, not necessarily YouTube SEO, but YouTube for bloggers as a way yeah. to supplement your content and, and drive extra traffic. Yeah, that's awesome. Like YouTube is indeed, a, you know, become pretty, a pretty amazing search engine. And I hear more and more people using it for, you know, for the purpose of, as a blogger even mixing up content, like, you know, and organizing like a, you know, if you have a blog post about like the five principles that, or the five ways to monetize your blog or whatever, then you can make it into yeah. a small video and then you make, you shoot it. Like it's not even you talking, it's just like the video itself. And then you post, post it on YouTube and people can, can find you by doing that. So, so you have right now a pretty active YouTube channel or not yet? No, I've got like the world's worst YouTube channel. Most of my videos are just, you know, roll, it's like a placeholder image and roll the tape from the, uh, from the podcast, just paste the MP3 in there, which is kind of controversial among podcasters. And I, and I do get some comments, they're like, uh, your video is not playing, <laughs> whatever. It's like, because there is no video. But the way I look at it is, you know, most of these videos get maybe a hundred views or something like that, but some of them get tens of thousands of views. And you know, each one of those viewers is a potential new fan. It's a potential new person that you can help out with your content. And it's a different discovery, you know, mechanism or discovery channel for the side hustle show. And so that's the reason that I syndicate the stuff over there to potentially reach more people. Even if they, even if we got one view, you know, it doesn't take a lot of effort to do that. And it's like, you never know where that next raving fan is going to come from. So regarding the podcast, right now you have interviews you have also solo episodes right and you have also i saw you have coaching like basically you bring on people from from your tribe and and coach them live like on the podcast yeah that started with me doing the coaching and then that was one of the you know one of the revenue streams early on was like hire hire me to be your side hustle coach i found that actually really stressed me out that one-on-one relationship that like direct hours for dollars relationship so now i try and feature other people who, who actually have that as part of their business. And I've stopped doing that. Bring on people to showcase their expertise and kind of let them bounce ideas off each other and I'll kind of facilitate the call. So if you're not doing any coaching or something, that's a mess. Like what's your split of revenue streams right now in the business? So the big three revenue pillars would be sponsorships on the show, affiliate offers on the site, and my own random side hustles are kind of like the third one. So that's like the self-publishing experiments, the online courses, the freelancing stuff. The freelancing stuff has kind of taken a backseat this year. A little bit of e-commerce, which is also kind of taken a backseat this year. And then maybe some um, like investment experiments might be, might fall under that third leg of the stool as well. Cool. So are you finding affiliate money to be something that is working out for you? Like do you have a lot of traffic in the site? Maybe between 100 and 150,000 visits a month. So it is a it's, lot. Not, it's not like a server shattering volume of traffic, but no, it's, it's, it's really, okay. It's really, really good. Like if I'm asked, like, where is, the major, where is the majority of traffic coming from? That is that Google or Pinterest or? 
Where are they coming from? Yeah, probably two thirds Google, maybe 70% Google at this point. And did you like, do you do your own SEO or do you hire someone to do that for you? Um, I've done it myself historically. I hired someone actually from FinCon to do you know, a technical SEO audit this summer. And I've gone through kind of her recommendations, but haven't really seen a lift from it. So that's kind of annoyed by that. I don't know if it's just a matter of giving it more time or creating more content. It's, it's kind of been flatlining for, for quite a while. So it's a little bit frustrating to see because well, I'm still putting out content. I think it's good content every, uh, you know, every month, but I'd like to see it continue to climb. How much content are you putting out? Like once a month, you say? On the blog, you know, once or twice a month. Would like to do more, but it's just time consuming to write. Right. And then every week for the podcast. And do you write your own posts? Like fully write your own posts? Lately, probably half. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of the best performing content is actually guest content. And so that's right. when, that's why when people submit killer guest posts to me, it's like, yeah, I'll post that. I'll get the traffic for you. Yeah. It's somebody sent me like 4,000 words on how to flip cars, you know, buy cheap used cars and turn them around in the weekend. And I was like, this is fantastic. Of course I'll, I'll post that. Somebody yeah. sent me recently how to do like storage unit auctions. I don't know if they had storage wars um, syndicated over in Israel, but this is like a big thing on reality TV a few years ago. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Abandoned storage lockers and sell whatever's inside. So because I haven't tested all these random side hustles, like I'm happy to yeah. host other people's stories of having done them. And, uh, and see if I can get those ranking. It's pretty awesome. And because I had two blogs before, like, so basically Mindful and Ruthless is my third community, my third blog as well. Like, so now I have the blog running. Before that, I have, I still have Israel's uh, largest design blog. Like it's called Pixel Perfect, but it's very niche. It's like for designers in Israel. So, you know, how many designers can you find in Israel? It's like niche. Numbers there have been the same. I launched it in 2011. And I guess in 2013, the numbers have stayed the same up until this day. Like I'm not getting growth. It's not going down. It's not going up. It's like staying the same. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> like and, and SEO is like ranking on some of the posts. And, and by the way, like you say, guest posts are actually like some of the guest posts are ranking amazingly well. And then I had Hacking UI, which is an international design blog. And over there, one of our most traffic heavy posts there is a, is a guest post as well. So... But I never got massive. I never like, even with the international design blog, maybe it's still niche. I don't know. But I got to about, we got to about 40K uniques a month off of our content in about, let's say, two and a half years, which is okay, I guess. But it's like, it's not even close to mind blowing. And I've never been into SEO. So now with this new community, this new blog, I'm really trying to think smarter in a way where I'm, where I'm putting my posts out. Do you have any suggestions on how to, do better SEO while still creating the content that I know people would love? My basic rule is to try and create the best resource that I can on the specific keyword because ultimately that's what I think Google wants to rank. And so what that process looks like is seeing, well, what are they already ranking for that keyword? You know, what do you like? What do you don't like about those posts? What content do they include? What are they maybe missing? You know, what are the H2s that they're using? You can use like the suggested search and the little suggested searches down at the bottom or related searches down at the bottom to say, okay, this is what people are also searching for. Maybe I can include those as H2s on that page to get some long tail traffic. It's a challenge because even going through that process, there's still no guarantee that you're going to find something that 
that ranks. But it really, you know, because I like a blog is a hybrid of, you know, of this collection of random SEO optimized articles, like, you know, how to do topic XYZ or, you know, whatever keyword somebody's searching for. So it's a hybrid of that. And then this like personal journal, personal right. journey. So it's like trying to marry those two together. And I definitely started from the 100% personal journey blog type of thing and, and still follow some of those myself. So there's an element to that. And I think the podcast helps kind of build that personal relationship, you know, more so than the blog does too. But other people do that really well where they can, you know, weave in their own stories, their own experience into these posts that also are going to rank well in Google. I mean, that's exactly what I mean. Like, I've been 100% personal. And then just before Hacking UI, Hacking UI is, is right now no, no longer active in a way because it was with a partner and we broke up and then I created Mindform Ruthless. But it's like, just before the end of, of Hacking UI, I got into SEO saying, wait, I should take that personal side and try to make it better for SEO. And only then we started kind of like tweaking the, the subject lines, the, the titles and stuff. Yeah, because I would write these like 300 philosophical posts called like <laughs> on momentum or something. <laughs> it's just like nobody's ever going to find this if they're not, you know, it's just happen to be subscribed in Feedly or something. Right. So, you know, if you really want to write the definitive guide to momentum, you, know, you <laughs> could do that, but it's probably going to have to be 3,500 words and, you know, be right. better than anything else that's out there. But how do you find the, the keywords then? Like we mentioned like, okay, so you got all the way to find how to, create the title out of the keywords that you chose, but how do you choose the keyword? A couple of tools you can use. So Ahrefs is the premium tool. Ahrefs. It's probably around a hundred bucks a month. Really, really cool SEO tool to find competitive analysis and keyword search volume and how difficult they think it's going to be to rank. A free version that is pretty interesting I've been playing around with is just a Chrome extension called Keywords Everywhere. Oh, got it. I got it. Yeah, for any keyword, I mean, you just punch it into Google and the little extension will show you the estimated search volume and then from zero to one, how difficult they think that keyword is. I mean, there's also the Moz bar, which I don't know if still is supported, that would give you kind of the domain authority of the sites that are on the first page. Mm-hmm. But those are kind of the tools that I tend to use. And then the, the goal inside of WordPress is just to make the Yoast traffic light turn green for, for SEO. <laughs> okay. So if you would have wrapped it up in just like one kind of like step-by-step process for me, what would it be? So it would be like, think of a keyword I want to write about, or would it be going first for the Ahrefs and, and keywords everywhere to play around with keywords related to my niche? Yeah. So if you're starting with a topic or a post idea in mind, right, mm-hmm. you can kind of outline or mind map what that is going to cover. And then I would punch in several of those potential keywords into keywords everywhere into Ahrefs to see what has the right combination of search volume and maybe is lower difficulty, right? You know, what, what do you have the best odds of getting exposure for? If the keyword has a huge, huge search volume, but is also next to impossible to rank for, that's not going to do you any good anyways, unless you can somehow crack that, crack that code. I would, especially for a new blogger, I would recommend starting with some of the longer tail terms to start to build up some domain authority. Like, is there a specific number of, like in the search volume to look out for, which is like too low or too high? Usually I want to see at least a thousand searches a month for a smaller site that I run. 
you know, I would bump that down to 500, maybe even a little bit lower if it's a really kind of like a buyer keyword, you know, if it's, you know, this product versus this product, this product review, because if you can capture that traffic, that's has a really high affiliate potential. Got it. Okay. Got it. And then, so after that, you basically, how do you come up with the title then? So you got the keyword you want to target, then what do you do like step-by-step in order to find the the title for the post? Do you ever use CoSchedule's headline optimizer tool? No. It's an interesting one. So it's a free tool where you can type in prospective titles and it'll give you a score based on their algorithm of like how sexy this title is based on whatever factors that they've found over analyzing however many millions of titles. General rule, I try and put the primary keyword at the front of the title and then, you know, colon some sexy subtitle. So let me see if I can find an example from the blog. So somebody sent me a post on like, you know, music licensing. So it'd be like music licensing or how to license music, you know, how I make passive income from my art or, you know, something like that. So we just, one of the recent posts, was somebody, as was actually a guest post too, somebody sent me their review or their experience of renting their cars out on Turo. It's like Airbnb, but for cars, T-U-R-O. And so the title was Turo Review, how renting our cars out turned into a free Tesla, right? So it's like, you know, keyword and then like, some reason for somebody to click like okay that sounds compelling let me see what that's about so i heard about that method really to to put that keyword first and then like the i heard about it actually in on youtube i, I guess it's exactly the same like youtube is a search engine and you want right. to, to rank and then you want also to have the clickbait basically to to bring people in you know the human like. intelligence to to go into it cool so that's awesome. Thank you for, for those tips. That's definitely going to help out. We should add that is true for podcasting. Maybe, maybe slightly, I'll, I'll tweak it a little bit for podcasting uh-huh. because you, know, you get such a short little blurb that's visible inside of you know, Apple Podcasts or iTunes as you're scrolling through. It's like I want to front load that with you know, either that hook or you know, what, what that's going to be. And, and it just, I see too many people screwing up their episode titles where they'll put like, SHS031. Yeah. Well, and you, like, you wasted so many characters there. And it's like, I don't care what episode number it is necessarily. Like I, I would include them just in case somebody referenced, oh, you got to check out number 95 or whatever. Yeah. But if you can't front load those, those podcast titles with something compelling, because I was interviewed on another show where it was like exactly that. It was like SHS31 Nick Loper. It's like, okay, I get it for the sake of consistency. Your episode title is just like the name of the person. But it's like, who cares? Like, why is somebody going to click on this? What's in it? What's in it for me? You know? Mm-hmm. So try and title the episodes a little bit more enticing of like, you know, here's how to do a specific thing. Like here's a crazy result that this person achieved, whatever it is. Yeah. I never thought about like even iTunes, like to name it because I know like iTunes is not really a search engine, but now there's this breaker and there's different things that, that different apps that actually search iTunes and Skype. And I think also in Overcast, you can search for stuff based on subject and not by the name of the podcast. So definitely worth it. We've gone over some content, like, you know, blog stuff, some, I want to like, before you write, you make the, the research and you write the blog post. Do you have any specific way of when you write, like a specific process when you write the blog posts? 
I usually just dump it straight into WordPress, which I know is risky um, in case there's like a server disconnection or something. I've only been burned like once. So that hasn't been, and I mean, sometimes I'll paste it in from Google Docs or something like that, but usually just compose straight into WordPress. Haven't played around with the new Gutenberg editor yet. I don't know if you played around with that yet. I actually use Elementor. So it's, it's kind of the same. And I tried to install Gutenberg and then it didn't work. So I, I uninstalled it. Yeah, I haven't seen people who are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah, people <laughs> yeah. seem to be complaining more about it first. I'm going to wait, maybe wait for the yeah. 5.1, you know, yeah. update. Yeah, Medium, like Medium's writing experience is so great. And I think Gutenberg tried to bring it into kind of like Medium style. And, and because Medium just has an amazing user experience when writing there. Have you tried writing on Medium? The only stuff that I've done on Medium has been syndicated from the blog or, or podcast. So like just paste it in. Got it. So when you pasted it in, what did you do? I mean, where did you publish it when you pasted it? That's it, just on Medium to see if it would get any legs on in that community. Okay, so I, have, I actually have a tip for you there. So on Medium, there's amazing publications, right? There's like publications, like you, you can just search like publications for side hustles, publications for, for online entrepreneurs, like search that on Google you'll find articles, you know, explaining, naming the best ones. Then there's a strategy. I guess I, I will show, if you're on Mindful and Ruthless, I'll create a video about this. And Nick, for you, uh, we can have a different, another session where I'll show you how. But basically, there's a way to see how many followers that publication has. Some of them have like something like 200,000 followers. And then what you do is you apply for that publication, uh, the highest publication in terms of numbers, to have your article on their publication. Although it was on your blog, you just have to wait for a few weeks, you know, for the SEO and stuff. And then you, you ask them if they accept it. So basically what you have is on Medium, it's a guest post where they see the publication name, but still it's your name everywhere. And still all the links that you want to it, you can direct people to your site, to your content upgrade, to your email list, whatever you want. And at the end, you'll see both of the logos of you and the, and the publication, which is great. It's like, it's not like you write for Entrepreneur Inc. or something like that where you have yeah. no right? Like your name's barely there, but it's really still medium keeps it really you, but still just that, just put the logo of the, of the publication. And then the publications, they have newsletters going out of medium, like, you know, the digest and stuff like that for the members. So if you get ranked really well, and you can actually send another email to the, to the owner of that publication, asking for them to, uh, to feature it on, on their newsletter or something like that. And some of them will say yes. So basically, you get tons of exposure for any blog post that you do, and it's almost no effort on your end. Like you say, copy-paste it from WordPress. After that, just like apply for a publication. You'll have your... Once you become a writer, by the way, in a publication, if they add you as a writer, then you can... Every post that you create, you don't have to apply, reapply again for that publication. You can just say, post in this publication, and they, they just have to approve. And like you say, it's like guest posting, right? They, if you have a great post, they will approve. They have no reason not to. So it's double the exposure. It's pretty good. I like it. Some guy on the podcast had a similar strategy, built his 6,000 person email list in just a few months doing exactly that. So I followed his process. The step that I skipped was that last one that you mentioned is like emailing the editor of that publication again, be like, hey, would you mind including my article in the newsletter that's about to go out? Yeah, in the newsletter and in the front page of your publication because they can choose which one they want to feature. And yeah, so it's pretty, it works, it works. It's, it's pretty awesome. So anyways, 
I want to say also writing the writing process is nothing uh, specific to talk about, but after you wrote the, the blog post, or let's say, let's talk about blog posts and then the podcast because two different things. So how do you market it out there to the world? Like, what do you do? What is your process after you put out a piece of content? Typically, we'll send out one email newsletter per week promoting the latest podcast episode and the latest blog post. I don't really rely on the guest you know, sharing it if they want to. That's great. I, I wouldn't expect them to. I want to see the post start to you know, rank a little bit in Google. I'm really bad at even sharing it on the Facebook page in most cases. You know, sometimes it's several weeks later, but oh, I haven't posted in a while. Or Facebook will send you the notification. Hey, you know, your followers haven't heard from you in a while. Because so it's just like, okay, I, I wouldn't rely on that for, for traffic. The other thing I will add for the posts that I think are pinnable or Pinterestable is, you know, making sure to create that, that vertical graphic for those and pin that and then have my, my Pinterest assistant will actually schedule that post out to, uh, to spin around on the Tailwind uh, scheduling app for Pinterest. Guys, so you use Tailwind for Pinterest. Okay, cool. And so basically, so what you say is like, you send on a newsletter once and when you when you publish an, uh, a blog post, so you do, you don't go on Facebook, Twitter, like all that jazz and just like everywhere, hey, everybody have a new blog post, stuff like that. Like, I mean, I think the tweet is automated, you know, with if this and that and buffer where it's like, okay, a new WordPress post comes out, add this to my buffer. But that's, that's it because Twitter doesn't really drive any traffic. The exception is when I have a post that mentions either a ton of people or a ton of companies, like to do some proactive outreach to those. Like, hey, I featured you in this latest post. And that's usually it. Just a heads up, uh, I featured you in this latest post. And if they want to share that, that's fantastic. The one that did really well with that strategy was like, here's 200 plus ways to make extra money. And it featured a ton of different like apps and marketplaces and stuff. And so those guys were all thrilled. So I just went down to like the, most of them are startups. And so most of them have a little like press tab at the bottom of their site or on the footer of their site. So email the press address, you know, it's usually media at such and such company.com or press at such and such company. Hey, just a heads up. I love what you're doing. Featured you in my latest post. Here's the link to check it out. And so that tends to, it can amplify that, that social reach a little bit. Cool. Have you used, you know, Reddit or or any of those, like there's Reddit, there's Growth Hackers, stuff like that? Yeah, Product Hunt, no. Um, Reddit is an intimidating place for me, so I haven't done really anything over there. So one of the things we discovered on Hacking UI, again, towards the end, was that a lot of traffic came from Reddit. So we started posting our blog posts after we published them on Reddit, and they got tons of traffic there. And so apparently, I don't know, but it's just something that we, we discovered. And in Growth Hackers was a thing as well. But I don't know, it kind of, it worked at the beginning and then it died out. But anyway. Okay. And you didn't get in trouble from, from the Reddit community from like, hey, dude, quit posting your own stuff. Oh, I, I definitely did a couple of times. Okay. But it still brought tons of traffic. So <laughs> it was good. Fair enough. I, I want to ask you first, like about the podcast. So you have the solo episodes and you have your interviews, right? On the podcast. Yes. And like, I'm considering doing solo episodes for this podcast. So far, I've been doing only interviews. How do you see that the solo episodes like, kind of, like help you build your own brand? They, they actually tend to do pretty well. The, the challenge is, for me at least, is they take 
a lot longer to produce because I'm not the person who can just look at a, a bullet point list and, and speak coherently for 25 minutes. Like I need to have it almost entirely scripted out. Wow. So they end up taking quite a bit of time to produce. So those are usually Q&A shows. And occasionally, what was the recent one? It was, okay, here's 15 income streams I'm working on right now. I'm just trying to do, trying to throw those in every now and again, just to mix it up. Because I like, like the Tim Ferriss uh, show example, I may not listen to every two hour interview that he puts out, but those little like in between episodes, he calls them. I like those where it's just, you know, him going off on some topic. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to implement that into the podcast for sure. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a while. And then like recently I just got the idea to actually, I should do that. Um, I think I heard it from Leslie also from, from FinCon. So Everybody, by the way, if you're listening to this and you want me to talk about specific topics, then let me know. <laughs> Feel free to write in the comments. Cool. So we're, we're getting closer to wrap it up. I just want to ask you about something that I read when I did the research for this episode. So you apparently took cold showers for 500 des- days in a row. You had this challenge. Do, do you still do cold showers? No. <laughs> no? Some days I will end cold, but I kind of stopped the cold shower habit. How it started was... A, a guest on the show was talking about that for him started as a weight loss hack, which apparently, I don't know the full science behind this, but apparently like there's some thermodynamics at play where it's like, you're going to expend, you know, more calories, warming your body up long after you've left that cold shower. So that's why he started it. But he found it was like this mental switch and you know he started feeling more productive more energized more excited he's like you know i just you know there's there's no hiding from it like that's gonna wake you up (laughs) and and he's like so i challenge you to do the same i was like that sounds awful but that was march 6th of 2014 and i still remember like the specific day that it started and went on for another year and a half because all of a sudden you know, just exactly what he said. Like it, it could have been totally placebo, but started, you know, things started to take off, started getting more clients, just started to feel bad. like it was just a weird, weird thing. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to break this streak, but yeah. you know, the, the moment of weakness when it ended came you know, right around that 500 day mark. I was like, that seems like a good, a good quitting point. But like I was feeling, you know, had the flu and it was like the idea of getting under cold water with the flu just sounded awful. So that's kind of where it ended. So you had a good run. <laughs> but so I'm, I'm just wondering because right now I'm doing cold showers. Where I, and again, I can't say I'm doing cold showers exactly like, you know, by the book, getting into a cold shower. I'm ending cold. So yeah. it's like, but I heard it's, it's the same. Which is way, which is way better. Like, it's yeah. way less painful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you're getting into the shower. You're like, oh, do we really, do I really want to do this at the end? And you're so comfy with the great hot <laughs> water. And then you're like, okay, it's time bring it on and then like, you know, turning it on the, <laughs> and you're, you're, you want to die for a second. But I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about it. Like for me, it is totally doing good, like in the morning. And I feel like it's, you know, like it's opening my, my body up. I don't know how to say like my mind and body are totally different when I do this. And I'm, I've been doing it every day for a couple months, I guess. And that, so I was wondering why you finished, why you're not doing it anymore. So Maybe I'm just lazy. I'm like fat and happy where I'm at now. <laughs> I don't know. We're um, definitely not fat. So you don't need weight loss. But I need to do uh, the, I need to be more consistent about ending cold. Cause I think there is something to that. Like if nothing else that is going to invigorate you and, and get you ready to face the rest of your day. 
<laughs> so anyway, it's, I think it's a great habit. If, if any of you haven't heard about cold showers, if you're listening to this, definitely try. I actually was so afraid of doing cold showers. Like for, I, I heard about it, like I think two years ago for the first time. Then, but I, I actually, I started doing it after I interviewed Pat Flynn on my show. And he does cold showers. And I didn't know he does cold showers. I didn't know he was such a badass. Pat Flynn is a badass when it comes to daily routine. <laughs> He's a really bad, like, so, and he never talks about it. So that's why I was surprised. I was like, you know, so what are your, what's your morning routines? Like, yeah, I do like all these things. Like, there's like tons of stuff in the morning, like everything. And one of the things is cold showers. Like, hmm. I do cold showers. So, you know what? I'm, fuck it, I'm going to try. So <laughs> I, I just like started since then. And it, it was, it was amazing. And I was in the summit of greatness straight after FinCon. And one of the, People that gave the workshop there was a lady named Dr. Trisha Smith, and she's one of the people that teach the Wim Hof method. Do you know you heard about the Wim Hof method? A little bit. This is like the Iceman breathing thing. Right. He basically broke 26 world records, anything re- related to extreme weather, uh, mostly cold. So he like swam under ice for like, I don't know how many yards, and he sat inside a, like, an ice cube for two hours up to his neck. He climbed Everest just in shorts. <laughs> like crazy, crazy guy. But he says everything is about breathing. He's like one of them, you know, the people that spread the, the cold showers for as a, as a health hack. And she was talking about cold showers. And I would remember, like, I, what I was doing until then was having a hot shower, turning it cold, and turning it back hot. And she said, never do that. That's actually, <laughs> um, that's really, really bad. That's actually mimicking, your body is, is mimicking, like, hypothermia. So. You don't want to, definitely don't want to do that. Good to know. Uh, yeah. So I, if anybody want to do that, then don't end hot. Just like end cold. <laughs> yeah. And so that's like, and, and you had Jaldi on the show or you were on, sorry, you were on JLD's show. Yes. That's connected to the, to the cold yeah, show. A few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Do you get on a lot of shows now? Like do you come as a guest on a lot of shows? Occasionally. I tend to be pretty heads down, focused on uh, my work. But if somebody invites me, I feel, I feel bad saying no. So I'm happy, happy to do it, you know? Yeah. Okay. But you're not like actively reaching out for people to get on their shows. No. Yeah. It's just another. The I, reason, mean, I mean, because I get a ton of pitches and you probably start to get the same. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, a good pitch is a, is a time saver and a bad pitch is a time saver because you can just round file it. But it's like all those medium pitches where you're like, well, they're there might be something here. Like how could we come up with a hook and you spend all this time on it and then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it ends up being a big uh, time suck. So yeah. I try not to um, put other hosts in that position. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You definitely have a story to tell and you definitely have like the expertise. So I think it's just like, in a way, it's, um, it's worth it. So anyways, yeah, you do, of course, if, you, if you're not finding it, something that you think you can really help. So how do you manage your success? Like, do you have a vision for yourself? Do you have a plan? How do you manage all your activities? That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it that way. In fact, that was one of the, uh, you know, the conversations with, with my lovely bride. That we're kind of, it's, all, it's a hard conversation to have. Like, what do, you, what do you want? What do you want to do? Where do you want to do it? It's something that we're still kind of figuring out as we go. Obviously, I'm really happy with where things are and trying to, trying to use that Tim Ferriss question, like, what would it look like if it were easy? You know, what would you, how would you spend your time? And it's like, I really love the work that I'm doing. It's like, right. I still get stressed out and there's probably some stuff that I 
shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be worried about. But, you know, for the most part, this is really fun. You know, the work that I'm putting out into the world, the people that I get to talk to, it's, it's really cool. It's really rewarding. You know, it's hard to extrapolate. Okay, well, what, what does this look like five years in the future, 10 years in the future? So yeah. I don't know, man, maybe I'll flip that around. Like, what, what, is there is behind the camera for you is like a big uh, vision board or what's going on on your end? I don't know if like you probably don't know this, but I'm like the vision guy. I um coming up from fifty thousand dollars in debt about a year and a half ago. And that's because hacking UI, my blog, which I left my day job to do, did not work out. And I had six months of no income from the blog. And in six months with no income when I'm the main provider in my household with two kids and a mortgage, that failed to be successful. <laughs> so yeah. I, were you living were you living in Silicon Valley? I remember I heard part of your story on SPI. I was in Silicon Valley just uh, I was just there with my startup. Okay. The startup was there for a couple months. I was even there for just a couple weeks, nothing major. Okay. But yeah, I, I had two startups on my own. That was after Fiverr and then the the second startup we got acquired by Similar Web, which is a you probably know Similar Web. It's yeah. not like Ahrefs, but like, you know, and then after that, after two and a half years in similar web, I, Hacking UI grew. One of my partners from previous startups was my partner in, in the blog, and we decided to leave our day job to do it full time. So anyways, by the time I was in debt and everything, I hired a coach, and he really helped me put together a vision that a vision is made out of like two-year vision. So I was like thinking, where do I want to be in two years? And then like, but vaguely, where do I want to be in two years? You know, financially free, like, you know, yeah. with a family and... You know, most of us want the same thing in two years. It's kind of like the same, but we have kind of like different drives for it and different kind of like takes, really minor different takes on, on it. But it's mostly the same for everybody like us, right? Like our kind of people, like everybody listening right now, I guess is kind of like us in a way as well, because we're a community. But, and then I was like, okay, great. So if you want that in two years, where do you have to be in six months in order to get you closer to that two-year vision? Yeah. And are there any items on that two-year vision that you can actually achieve in six months? So I ended up doing this thing and I have a specific method for it. It's not for now, but like you just list it down in bullets and you list it and you connect feelings to it. And then you list things that are pushing you to the extreme on a level, like, to, like a bit out of your comfort zone, but not too much because it still needs to be achievable. So for instance, one of the high, really out there things that I wrote was and I was, again, I was, when I wrote this, it was on a notebook. I was dead broke, like in Tel Aviv. My coach flew into Israel. I just flew him into, I hired a coach with the money I don't have. Like it flew him into Israel mm-hmm. and he's just sitting with me in this office in Tel Aviv and I'm writing this thing down. I'm writing, I want to be interviewed on a big podcast, telling my story of how I came out of this shit <laughs> and situation. And I wrote down two names. I wrote JLD and Pat Flynn. And eight, eight months later, I was on Pat Flynn. It was just like that. This is pretty crazy. Like the whole, everything that I wanted to manifest for myself, like in terms of income, I doubled my, I doubled my income. I, the income goals that I had for six months, I made the income goals I had in six months in one month. And then I I said, what if I can double that? It's like money that I never made in my life. And, but I said, what if I can do that now? Like the opportunities, you know, opened up to me and I manifested that and that happened in six months. And like almost everything that I wrote down on that list happened in six months. That was amazing. So now I'm running this again and again and again. So I come, where do I want to be in six months? And I keep tweaking it, you know, but everything that I want manifests itself, including this community, including this podcast was, it wasn't even something that I could think about. It, it wouldn't have happened if I wasn't have, like took super focused action, you know, with the vision. Do you think you needed 
a coach to tell you that or would with your back against the wall with this debt and this family to support would you figured it out i think i wouldn't because i i was already consuming a lot of content for like you know two years three years something like that before it happened i was consuming audiobooks i was like reading all the great books listening to the great podcasts spi jld like all those like but you know what like i just couldn't I couldn't implement everything that I learned there into my life and business in a proper manner. And I yeah. felt I needed someone who already did it. And the thing I know now is this. I know now that in order to have entrepreneurial success, and you have it, like you have entrepreneurial success in a way, but the thing I see, like the big shots are doing it and the, uh, the way I'm seeing like also Pat doing it and, and JLD and, and those kind of people, it's like they have three pillars in place. So one of them is clarity of vision. Like you have to know where you want to go and you have to have it written down. So clarity of vision. Second thing is taking action with the law of attraction. So basically they all take action, but still have the law of attraction. Like they manifest things into their lives. They believe in the possibilities. They come from a place of abundance. And that's like the kind of mindset thing that I bet you also as an entrepreneur already have. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing, the third pillar they have in place is a coach or a mentor or a mastermind group or someone to hold them accountable. And that is involved with, of course, payment and everything. Like those people have some kind of accountability and that's the third pillar. And when Pat, when I interviewed Pat, he was like, my family is here and my mastermind is here and the rest of the world is here. Kind of like that. <laughs> You're like, just, just like that. And like, like, I never heard Pat talk about mastermind before. Like I was already on his mastermind, but I didn't know he was in a mastermind of his own. And I didn't know he has a coach. He apparently has a coach. Like, so it makes sense though, because you know, if you think about Olympic athletes, where do they get, how do they get, how do they get to Beijing, right? Like it's mm-hmm. to where they want to get, they, they get with an, a coach, they have a coach. And then I was looking for all kinds of like sports people, like for instance, Conor McGregor, you probably heard of him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the famous boxer, like he's a UFC champ, you see him all the time. And then like, I wonder if Conor, Conor McGregor as a coach, because I always see him alone, right? It's like just him like rambling about so I searched Conor McGregor and I see all the pictures of Conor McGregor. And then I went to Google Images again and search Conor McGregor coach. And all of a sudden, I see the same pictures, but the coach next to him. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, he has a coach. So apparently, yeah. And, and you see all these pictures of them together and working. And like, of course, Conor McGregor has a coach. Like he can't get to where he's at alone. Like, and we as entrepreneurs, we need a bit of guidance, just a bit of like, that's, that's how I see it. So so now, how, do you, how do you end up connecting with this, with this coach? How do you know he was any good? So I, I listened to him on JLD, actually. Like, I, I heard his episode on JLD. He told, okay. Yeah, he told a great story, and he just launched a book. His name is Kelvin Wayman, and I just read his book called Fish Out of Water. It was a great book. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's talking to me, like, you know, my language. And he's like an entrepreneur that just came out of debt, and, he, you know, he's crushing it. I want I, so I, I talked to him about finding a coach. I didn't know he was doing coaching. And then oh, I okay. talked to him about finding a coach. He's like, yeah, I can coach you. And I just started taking on clients and, and coaching people. And, and so, yeah, so I, apparently it, it, was, it was a great thing and, and we connected. And I, at the beginning, by the way, I said, no, it was half a year before I got in debt. That happened actually. And I said, no, because it was too expensive for me. And then when I was totally in, in a very bad situation, that's where I, I called him up again. And I said, you know what? Like my intuition is saying, go for it. And I don't care. I'll just, don't have the money anyways, <laughs> you're hired. <laughs> so, and now like I told myself, like when I get out of the situation, I'm going to also help others. And now that's what I do. It's basically what I do with my foreign ruthless. I have a mastermind group of people and I have one-on-one co- uh, clients that I'm working with. And it's, it's great. I'm just seeing results. People are crushing it. And, and 
it's just that. It's having a vision and guidance and mentorship and working on the mindset and it's just working. But yeah, I guess, it, it, you know, for every entrepreneur, it's different, but a coach can always help no matter what level you're at. That's what I believe. No, that sounds good. I'm, t- I'm taking notes over here. I'm looking up this book. <laughs> Just, yeah. so if, you, uh, if you see me clicking around and looking over here, that's, that's what's going on over yeah, here. Yeah, no problem. Clarity of um, vision, taking action, and then some sort of accountability. I like it. Yeah, thanks, man. And yeah, I'm sorry for, for talking too much. It's your show. So no, no, no. Like, this is like, <laughs> that's my goal on every podcast I do is to like flip the mic. And, you know. <laughs> flip the mic. Yeah, man, you're, you're really good at that then. <laughs> All right, just wanted to take a short break here. If you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it, right? So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions so if you haven't already be sure to search and join the mindful and ruthless group on facebook i promise you you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs so all right back to the episode why do people mention big names like Oprah in the podcast? Does verbally saying Oprah do anything in podcasts? Verbally saying it right now, my understanding does nothing. nothing. Including it in the title of your show or the author tag of your show would do something. If somebody searched iTunes, if somebody searched Oprah in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, their second grade algorithm would show your would show your search result. The downside to that is I've heard of a lot of shows starting this summer getting completely wiped off of the map in iTunes for doing exactly that. You know, you have financial shows that put Mr. Money Mustache and Dave Ramsey and, you know, these big names that people might be searching for, right? Like I can get yeah. discovered. That would be considered now keyword stuffing in, uh, in your title. So unless you're Oprah, probably wouldn't put that in the title unless it's, how could you work it in? There may be a way to work. I don't know. It's it's tough, but you know, yeah. tread carefully there because you wouldn't want to get uh, you wouldn't want to get banned. But goes to illustrate the point of naming your show something that people might be searching for, right? So mindfulness, right? right? Somebody might be searching for that side hustle. People might be searching for that. You know, you give smart passive income. People might be searching for yeah. passive income, right? <laughs> Trying to include that stuff in in the title of the show because that's title of the show, author tag, and then the episode titles. Like iTunes right now, not even crawling the description of your show. Like it's very, very rudimentary algorithm. Cool. How do you engage with your podcast audience? Something I should probably do a better job of. So occasionally I'll ask for, if you like this, you know, tweet me up, tweet my guest up on Twitter. Here's our handles. Leave a comment on this episode. Here's the show notes URL where I see, or, or you know, we can talk about it in the not even in, I don't really don't promote the stuff in the Facebook community, but over email, like hit reply, let me know what you think, or just ask a specific question in the email, just try and get, get replies that way. And then the other way to do it is through these kind of community coaching calls. If somebody raises their hand and says, okay, that's an interesting question. And I happen to know somebody else from the community might be well suited to coach that person through that problem. Like, okay, that, let's, let's do an episode on that. And then kind of the Q and a style shows. So those are kind of the ways that I try and bring the, uh, bring the audience into the fold. Yeah. I think by the way, it's amazing that you're doing this and you like seeing you do this actually gave me the, 
the idea to maybe even do this myself, like to even bring maybe some people from the mastermind on the show. And it's actually something I've done in, a, in, in my Hacking UI podcast, in a, in a previous podcast. I brought people in from the Side Project Accelerator and we coached them live. And I'm like, why didn't I do this here? And maybe mm-hmm. I should do it. It's a great way to engage with the people that are actually like, you know, your, your audience and, and doing some Q&A. So it's, it's a great idea. Definitely steal that, <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> No, it's really helpful for people tuning in, I, I think. I mean, I will say those episodes don't always perform as well as some of the others download-wise, but the people who are listening to them are like your hardcore fans. Yeah, really benefit from it because it's like real advice for real people. So how do you make time for a side hustle? Like if you can only sacrifice family or health, would you sacrifice any of them? <laughs> well, try not to sacrifice your health because, you know, if you don't take care of your body, where are you going to live? Don't, don't say, this is hard because it's right, you know, pick your favorite child, right? <laughs> what, I, what I would suggest is uh, doing a time audit, which is, you know, tracking your hours over the course of a week, over the course of two weeks to see where your time is actually going. And the purpose of this, every time I've done this is I've found slush time. I've found hours that I didn't think were there because everybody is, is busy. Everybody, it's always crazy, right? Like even as a full-time entrepreneur, like you don't have more time. Like somehow it just gets, sometimes it just gets filled up. But I would go through the time tracking exercise um, to see, okay, is this something that yeah, I need to do. Is this something that I have to do? Is this something that brings me joy? Or is this something that I could postpone? Is this something that I could delegate? Is this something, you know, you, you might find some hours, right? It may not be a ton of time, but even if it's like half an hour a day, you could start using that time to make some progress. And I wouldn't, you know, if you, if you can, you can block that off on the calendar and prioritize it to say, okay, this is my work time. Like this, it comes from my brother who he lives in, in Washington state still. And so we were at the side hustle, local side hustle nation meetup. And he comes, he shows me this like binder with like a printed out, like habit tracking spreadsheet. And he's like explaining what, you know, each of these items are like his pushups and his meditation and his journaling and all this stuff. And one of them was like, you know, work on the website for five minutes. It's like this little micro habit and it was, you know, same goal, Jerry Seinfeld style, right? Don't break the chain, right? Yeah. Five minutes. That's my minimum commitment. I can do five minutes. I can find sure. five minutes. And right. oftentimes once he got going, he found it worked longer, but like five minutes was a success and let him check the box. And so that really got me thinking like, okay, it's more about, you know, making it a consistent habit than it is because I'm super guilty about this. Like if I'm staring out a new project it will sit on my to-do list for weeks and months sometimes. It's like, well, I'm never going to have this miracle 35-hour block of time to just (laughs) fully focus and knock this thing out. And so trying to break it up into little chunks and then eating that elephant, as it were, you know, one bite at a time, making a little bit of progress every day. I think that's a great advice and a great exercise to do. And definitely, I don't know if you heard about Tony Robbins talking about it. He has um, NET, No Extra Time. So he has like this thing called NET, like no extra time where you should think like, like you have a lot of spare time and, and therefore you should find whatever you like, whenever you have some spare time, do something with that time that will get you to your, closer to your goals and dreams. So it's kind of like, it really connects to what you're saying. Like find the extra time. You have extra time, just find it. Just like, you know, to find it, you have to document your, you know, what you're doing day to day. So makes sense. I'm talking to a guy next week who started his podcast during his commute. He was recording in his car on the freeway, like driving to work. And then he would listen back to it on the way home. And so he would kind of, you know, make a note of like where he needed to have edit points. I was like, (laughs) 
that is some serious hustle. And of course, that was 10 years ago. He's built this massive audience. But I was like, and that's crazy. That's awesome. So, I, you know, I, obviously, I don't know your situation. And, and I've definitely felt days where like, there was not a spare minute in this day. And that's totally fine. Maybe that's a season with what my wife and I say, like, deep breath. It's just a season. You know, we're going to get through this. And that's totally fine, too. But, you know, if that becomes your entire life, then I think that's problematic because I think success is, you know, freedom over your calendar. And if you're living your entire life in reactive mode, that's like a huge mental burden. So if you can reclaim a little bit of time for yourself, even if it's just that five minutes, even if it's just that half an hour, I think you're going to be in a, in a happier place. Be on the offensive with your calendar. <laughs> yes. Yeah, totally. And by the way, you're talking to the guy who, you remember the podcast here in Israel that I told you that got ranked on New, New Noteworthy? Yeah, that, it was so, yours. No. It was, yeah, so I did it. It was called, before it was called Pixelcast, which was like the, the official name. After, the first initial name was called Walking the Dog, and I did it while walking the dog at nighttime. Like, <laughs> while I was doing the night walk, because I had, by the time I was running, I was the managing uh, the design of a company of like over 100 people. I had a podcast in the Hacking UI podcast where I interviewed leaders from the industries, like from companies like Airbnb, Facebook, like it was a massive podcast. I had Hacking UI with a weekly newsletter with sponsorships and everything like that going for us and running like in writing content for Hacking UI. I had Pixel Perfect, which was already running blogs since 2011. I had 10 editors over there and sponsors and a weekly newsletter over there. And then on top of it all, I had, you know, wife, two kids, mortgage, like stuff like that. And, and my hobbies, which I, like I'm doing martial arts. So I was, I was like, you know, I wanted to keep my hobbies in health and, you know, all of that. And I said, I really want to launch a podcast to my Israeli audience because I see this podcast thing is a good, is a good thing. To, when do I have time? So, so if you want, if you want productivity hacks, don't talk to me. Talk to Sagi, man. He's, he's <laughs> a busy guy. It was great. I was just walking with this, like, you know, with these earphones on, in the street. And I said, um, I know I'm compromising sound quality, but you know what? People are going to get the value. So I called people. I found a, a call recording app and basically called up designers from the industry and just talked to them over the phone. And it was called Walking in the Dog. And like some were a solo episode. Some were like, you know, talking to people from the industry. And just like 10 minute walk and you can hear cars by, <laughs> passing by and stuff. But still it was, you know, my dog barking at like other dogs or something. And it was a good, good show. And yeah, so anyways. Final question, if your day job is demanding too much time or energy to actually monetize my side business, how should I take control over it? And moreover, I have a few ideas already and started three different side projects with my full-time job. So how can I prioritize everything that I'm doing? The, so let's tackle the first one first. If the day job is super demanding, sucking a lot of time and energy, uh, that can be real. So you have to figure out, okay, is that temporary? Can I sprint through this? Like, can I, if I hold my breath? Is this, you know, my friend of mine works for a company and every, every three months, every quarter end, it's like crazy. We don't see him for a couple of weeks. Cause it's like, okay, this is heads down. Like we got to close the books on this quarter. We got to do a shareholder report, whatever it is. Yeah. But he knows that it's temporary. If it was like that the entire time, like he would be finding another job, right? Like that doesn't serve his lifestyle if it was yeah. permanent. One way to combat it that has been successful for people in my community has been prioritizing your stuff first, meaning get up a half an hour earlier to do your thing before giving your time away to somebody else or selling your time to somebody else. Right. The other thing, okay, so on these three ideas, I would focus on the one that excites you the most or the one you think you can get to the money milestone 
the fastest first. This is kind of like the, you know, chase two rabbits, catch zero kind of kind of thing. So I w- would love to see you start one thing, do it really well, and then diversify later, if that makes sense. And I think that overall, like, so you just need to prioritize, right? Like, so, and doing the one thing well is totally something that is a, is a valid advice because obviously we have 24 hours in a day and, you know, we are limited in time. We can definitely find time to work on some stuff, but if you want to make something and really make it to, like, bring it to a level of success, then we need to give a lot of time for it. So we're out of questions just for the end. Thank you so much, Nick, uh, first of all, for, for coming on the show and giving so much value. Really appreciate it. You bet. Well, thanks, thanks for the invite. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. And I, we, we've been like an hour and a half fun. So like it's totally, I can, and I can keep on talking to you. But so for wrapping up, where can we find you online? Obviously, we'd love to have you tune in to the Side Hustle show in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you are kind of on um, in the position of like, well, I need something to work on. Um, there's no shortage of those. You can hit sidehustlenation.com slash ideas. That's my um, cool. constantly updated laundry list of, of side hustle ideas, part-time business ideas. You can start today. Uh, no opt-in required. Cool. Awesome. Facebook, Instagram, all those. Are you active and some, one of them more than others? You know, I'm, I'm active on all of them, kind of partially. Like I spend most of my time on Facebook in the Side Hustle Facebook group, sidehustlenation.com slash FB. We'll redirect you uh, over there because I don't remember the the long group yeah. URL off the top of my head. No, no problem. But I'll, I'll definitely link to the Facebook group. Okay. We're always looking for more communities that would, you know, like-minded people. So I'll, I will also join because I, I know I'm not there yet. So Nick, yeah, man, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. And everybody, I hope you uh, benefited from this. If you have, tweet our name. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, maybe maybe do. Tweet, send us messages. Uh, let us know that you heard the show and that you enjoyed it. Don't just be a consumer, be an active listener. And please review this on iTunes. If you're listening to this in a podcast format anywhere, just review it on iTunes because it means the world to me. So Nick, thank you so much, man. And I'll probably have you on in, you know, in another future episode. Tell them. See you at FinCon. Let's do it. Sounds good, man. (laughs) All right. Thank you. And it's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. The show notes for this episode will be available at mindfulandruthless.com slash podcast. And if you can, I would love to ask you for your help. It would help me so much if you would take a minute to rate this show on iTunes. As a way of saying thanks for your reviews, I will be giving away a prize once a month to one awesome person that left a great review. Are you that awesome person? All you have to do is just go to mindfulandruthless.com slash rate. This will launch iTunes in your device. Then all you have to do is scroll down to the bottom if you're on your iPhone or mobile device, or if you're on your laptop, just click the ratings and reviews tab up on the top of the screen. Simply rate the show and leave a review and you will automatically be enrolled in the chance to win a cool prize of the month. So have an amazing day, night, wherever you are in the world. And remember to always be mindful of your time, relationships, and well-being, and always be ruthless with your gut feeling, with your work ethics, and don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. That was always in my head, like, I want to be my own boss, I want to do my own thing. Didn't know what that thing was going to be upon graduation. What would it look like if it were easy? How would you spend your time? 
but I would go through the time tracking exercise um, to see, okay, is this something that you know, I need to do? Is this something that I have to do? Is this something that brings me joy?